Hey everybody. Welcome to another installment of My Cheesehead Life, a Packer fan podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm your host. Happy hump day everyone. Checking in here on week two of the NFL. Kind of going to be doing a um, doing a preview of week two action. Something I like to call hump day helmets. We're going to look take a, a little look back still at some of the aftermath of the well, let's just say basking in the glory of a Packer victory over the Bears this week. Um, we'll check in on the Badgers. We'll check in on the Brewers and uh, look at what's coming up. I got to say, like ever since the NFL went to Thursday night games, I don't know how long ago that was, but um, that that makes it feel like a pretty quick week. It's exciting to always be able to turn around so quickly. I don't know. I mean, I guess the players aren't that into it as far as uh, the short week is concerned. I understand that. Um, but as a fan, it, it's pretty awesome, uh, that there's a uh, football several nights a week compared to years ago. Um, but anyways, back to some of the normal deal here, uh, again, my cheese had life, a Packer fan podcast. Thank you for listening. And I have a website, my cheese And on that website, I do have a blog. If you go to the upper left, there's a menu option. That'll, you'll see something called cheese curds. And that's where I'll post a summary of the topics and some of the links for any of the articles that kind of look over here today uh, in case you want to put your own eyes on some of this. I have an email, info at mycheeseheadlife.com if you want to reach out to the show. Um, and also have a uh, account on X, the website formerly known as Twitter, and it's at mycheeseheadpod. Uh, so once again, thank you for listening. Pretty nice to uh, be with you on hump day here. A uh, little, little later than expected. You know how it is in uh, northeast Wisconsin, cheesehead land kind of thing where family members, someone has to drop off a piece of furniture. Had a little bit of that going on tonight. Turns into a impromptu dinner party, which is awesome. And kind of leads me into my PSA for, for the evening or for the show here tonight. I like to start off with something maybe not always kind of football related or sports related. Uh, PSA, Patrick service announcement, until we get more listeners. Uh, it's not really a public service announcement. Speaking of listeners, again, thank you for anybody that uh, listens regularly. Appreciate it. Uh, pretty new to this, but but getting some great feedback. If you you know do all the things, like, subscribe, share it with friends, family, enemies, I mean, that'd be great. Um, but my PSA back to that is uh, the, the impromptu dinner party a little bit tonight. I cooked some uh, chicken breast on the grill and you know, that was a big deal for me to figure out chicken breasts. Uh, I don't know, going back 20 years or so, it seemed like that was a real popular menu item. People ordering grilled chicken all the time. And then I'd try to cook it at home and it'd come out really like dry. And if it wasn't dry, it was maybe raw a little bit. Um, and I don't know where some of these chickens come from, but you have these chicken breasts that were almost two, two and a half inches thick. And, and for me at the time, very difficult to get the cook right on those. And then I had, I don't know, just a thought and I'm sure I'm not the first one, but in case this helps anybody, I started, um, cutting the chicken breasts, uh, lengthwise to make them thinner. So, so not like horizontally to cut them like in half and make them shorter, but those big thick chicken breasts, I would cut them lengthwise. I don't know if that's called like butterfly or what the op official terminology would be. And, and it just makes it a lot easier to get the, the cook right on those. And they kind of, th then they work really well. If you want to make a little chicken breast sandwich the next day, uh, with a dinner roll or a couple slices of bread. So I'll cook those a couple minutes on each side on a little bit of a higher heat on the grill, get the grill marks going, and then I'll pull them off the direct heat and uh, do those chicken breasts for like another 15, 20 minutes. If I have some sauce I like, maybe put a little sauce on them while they're on the indirect heat with the grill covered at about 300. But anyways, yeah, just if you can get the hang of it, cooking them, or I'm sorry, slicing those chicken breasts uh, to make them thinner is uh, a helpful thing that allowed me to, kind of a milestone, an adulting milestone, if you will, where I was able to figure out a better way to make chicken breasts. So if that is helpful for anyone, uh, you're welcome. And uh, speaking of milestones, I had kind of another one this week. So when I was doing some work in the lab on Monday, had a little, little extra time with a day off from the day job. Well, let me say this. I ordered this podcast kit 
a little over a month ago, let's say a month and a half. And I knew for the most part, I would just be scratching the surface on what this little pad and sound pad, whatever it's even called can do. But I thought it'd be cool. Why not? You know, reasonable cost and came with two microphones. So not quite like back. I don't have a two, two turntables. I have two microphones. Um, and, and so I right out of the box. I just tried to make sure microphone one worked. I could do what I needed to do, do some recording, get some uploads going. But I knew like I, the reason I ordered this particular one is it came with, um, two, two microphones and no turntables. Um, and, and I, I thought it was pretty plug and play and I was getting frustrated over the last, like I said, 30 days or more is the once in a while that I would spend some time tinkering. I could never get microphone two to work. And then this was like three, four weeks ago. I looked around and I saw that they were labeled uh, microphone one and two. I thought I swapped the cords correctly. I was kind of like, Oh, okay. All right. You know, I, this is why it's not working. And I thought I solved it and I still would plug it in, spend maybe five, 10 minutes tinkering and nothing coming out of microphone two. Um, so on Monday, having a, a little bit of spare time to tinker here, I, I, I just thought, well, let's try it again. Let's see. Cause before I started freaking out that I, I bought the, the one bunk system or the lemon in the group, or, you know, just assuming it's a poor product. Uh, I, I, I revisited it one more time and sure enough, I looked and on the back of the microphone, it said microphone one, the one that wouldn't light up. And I realized for really this whole time I've been doing the podcast, I was using microphone two plugged into microphone one. And that's why microphone one wouldn't work. So there you go. Take a step back, take a breath once in a while, revisit it. And, uh, you know, the, ob the obvious answer apparently was staring me right in the face that I, I still, I'll blame it, I guess, maybe on my eyes, my older eyes, not, not catching that detail. Um, but in hindsight, like a good news, bad news, a little frustrating that I spent that much time being frustrated, but at the same time, well, it's solved. I think I've got microphone two figured out. And that means, uh, we can open the door to maybe someday having a guest here in the basement, uh, for my cheesehead life podcast. So that's exciting. Looking forward to that, maybe in the works here a little ways, um, but pleased to report on a milestone on figuring out microphone too. So enough about milestones and PSAs. This is a Packer fan podcast, so we got to get to the football action. And um, in, in case you haven't heard by now, uh, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So I left off on Monday. I did a case of the Mondays upload, and at that time hadn't, uh, watched or started the, the Bills Jets game, much anticipated debut of Aaron Rodgers playing for the New York Jets, 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 and had some thoughts on that. And, you know, kind of some of the hard knock stuff, you know, joked a little bit about hate watching it, but got to admit Rodgers, like I said, in case you hadn't heard, but I'm sure most of you have by now, uh, he, he's out for the year, tore his Achilles on the fourth snap of the game. I think there's some, uh, thing about there was a penalty or whatever. So it might've been the third play four snap, whatever. Anyways. Um, so he had, he had drop back, uh, you know, crowds going crazy, just excited for Rogers debut there in New York. And, um, within three, four plays, he, he gets sacked and, um, he gets up. It doesn't seem too bad because, you know, in the, in other, uh, examples that Achilles injury, which Rogers got, um, you know, guys go down like they're shot. They they're that's kind of the same. It looks like he got shot cause it just kills your leg or whatever. Um, so Rogers, uh, he gets sacked, he gets up, goes back to the huddle. Uh, my, my original hunch watching it when he kind of went down then on the ground and like motion that he needed some help. I'm like, well, maybe he just tweaked his ankle. He had a calf injury in camp. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe it's just something he knows he's got to get checked out, but my hunch or my guess at the time watching it was that he'd be back. And then it didn't take long before they said he's out for the game and uh crazy game, by the way, uh, uh, Josh Allen, if you didn't watch it through a couple interceptions, had a fumble, um, really makes you appreciate the effort Jordan love put forth and just his second career start where he takes care of the football and throws three touchdown passes against the bears. I mean, granted the jets defense is, is tough or at least expected to be, but, but the turnover examples for Josh Allen were really just kind of poor decisions, uh, foolish play because he was chucking it really deep for no reason. And then a guy would pick it off. 
the fumble was a was a loose snap that he kind of picked up and ran into his own lineman or something like that and dropped it again. So, anyways, um, exciting game, crazy game. The Jets end up winning with a uh, punt return touchdown in overtime uh, by one of the undrafted rookies that was uh, spotlighted a little bit in Hard Knocks. So, kind of kind of cool to see that play out on on television. Although, depending on who you're rooting for, and um, the the of course as a Packer fan, the the more the Jets lose, the better the draft pick would be for the Packers next year. Um, and with Rogers' injury, that'll be a second round pick. Of course, now uh, there's no chance. Uh, used to joke about the 65 percent thing. Didn't mean to make make light of any. I just expected Rogers to play all year like he has forever. Um, but anyways, with Rogers being out for the year now with that torn Achilles, that that locks the Packers into a second round pick from the Jets. But doesn't you know? If, if they have an awful year, that could still be almost like a late first round if you think of it that way. But um, so that's all settled in terms of the draft pick and Rogers injury. But um, yeah, so they won the game on a uh, late touchdown, a punt return touchdown. Uh, there was, like I said, if depending on who you're rooting for, a couple of people pointed out that there could have been an arguable tripping call. Uh, near the end of the return where a guy dove at one of the Buffalo Bill guys' uh, legs and kind of threw his feet up or threw his legs up, kind of like a trip. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but but bottom line is, wasn't called. Jets won the game. Uh, the replacement for Rodgers, Zach Wilson, looked okay. Um, but there's a reason they brought in Rodgers. They didn't have a ton of faith in Zach Wilson, a high pick from a couple years ago. So we'll see how that goes uh, for the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, but really unfortunate, uh, no matter what joking I did in the past for Rodgers and the 65% and some of the, you know, attitude, culture change that we see when he left. But um, unfortunate. I, I, I was honestly pretty bummed out to see him get injured because you just want to watch good players play. Uh, I thought that'd be a fun story to watch all year, how Rodgers does with the Jets. Uh, my take was a little bit that I think that offensive line would, would cause him, cause the honeymoon to be relatively short-lived. And, um, you know, maybe they'd be about a 500 team, but would never wish injury really on any player. Uh, you you always want to see teams kind of at full strength going against each other. To me, that's when the NFL and those games or college, whatever, is the most fun. Uh, when there's not any, you know, real significant differences between teams due to injuries. Um, so that's, that's, that's a real bummer for the league and everyone. Had to talk about it. Big news this week was Rodgers just four plays into the Jets game going down with a torn Achilles on Monday night there against the Bills. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of somewhat unexpected again with the little bit erratic play of top quarterback Josh Allen for the Bills, but the Jets came away with the win, even though the, the huge letdown in the stadium after Rodgers went out. Um, but I guess good on the Jets. We'll see how they do going forward. It'll be interesting to monitor. I guess the coach says they're going to stick with that quarterback and, and their backup, Tim Boyle, former Packer, for now. Doesn't you know? Not a lot of great options to bring guys in, and I saw something too that since they tied some of that trade stuff into the first and second round picks, uh, Jets might be a little bit limited on how much they could maneuver if they wanted to trade for a quarterback. So we'll see how the Jets do, see how the Bills do. We'll get into some of that when we get to the Hump Day Helmet segment where we look around the games uh, coming up here this weekend. But uh, before we do that, I still want to kind of take a little look back at the. Packer Bear game, some of the aftermath, if you will, on the Packers going into Chicago and doing a putting on a pretty dominating performance against the Bears. So a little bit anecdotally, just from some of the comments I've been reading and, and highlights I've seen, one thing I thought was really interesting and kind of cool. Uh, if you recall, I think it was third quarter, uh, Jordan Love hit uh, rookie Jaden Reed for about a 30-yard game crossing route. Might have been a third and six, third and ten, something like that. And when you watch it live, you know, you just enjoy that moment. You don't get a ton of replays. They're off to the next play, and it just goes in the books. But what's kind of nice about X, the website formerly known as Twitter, and, and not I'm not real big on social media stuff, but I enjoy browsing it because you get, you'll see there's people out there that are cutting up some of the highlights uh, of the game. And one thing that was really neat is on that play to Jaden Reed, um, borderline no look pass from, uh, Jaden Reed and Jordan love that it can be tricky at times, I guess. But so Jordan love anyways, what he had done is he had positioned his feet and his whole torso really in his body 
as if he might throw it to the right side of the field. Now, where I saw one one uh, comment on, on X was where, you know, he, he might have had his eyeballs on Jaden Reed crossing, but his whole body position was that of as if he was going to throw to the right, but he kind of threw the, the ball across his body then from that position off to the left. And, and so anyways, it really, if you can picture it, it really locked the linebacker in place looking towards what would be the linebackers left and thinking that's where the ball's going to go. And next thing you know, Jordan Love cuts it loose in the opposite direction of where his body is pointed and uh, really created a lot of nice space for Jaden Reed to be open and uh, make that catch. And he scooted up the field for some yards after catch turned into like a 30 yard gain uh, in the second half there. So really, really encouraging to see some create creativity from Jordan Love. I, I know his, um, his completion percentage was about 55%. So you'd like to see that be a bit higher, but saw some comments since the game that, that point out he came through in the big situations. And, and that was mentioned even during the broadcast, really good on third and fourth down um, and, and hit, hit a lot of big throws when he needed to. Um, and then, you know, still just to tick off on some other throws. So hopefully maybe if he gets a bit more settled or comfortable, Again, keeping in mind, this is, you know, literally his first time as being the guy for the Packers. He did start one other game, of course, um, but but much be a much different vibe uh, being the guy, you know, the face of the franchise, so to speak, going into a game like that at Chicago. So uh, fun to see some of the kudos and, and, you know, positive comments going around the Internet about Jordan Love's performance and some of the throws he made. Um, that, that kept uh, the Packers with a dominating victory. I mean, when you look around, like I said, just, just now Josh Allen, a guy that's largely, I mean, he's got commercials, he's on TV a lot, he's got, you know, endorsements and all that, and a tremendous quarterback, and he comes out in the first game and throws, you know, a couple, maybe three really boneheaded turnovers, picks, and, and here you got Jordan Love in his uh, second career start. Just that's so important to take care of the football, and he did a great job of that. Um, and, and then also in the aftermath of the bear game, something that's been looked at a little bit is the defense. Um, you know, natural as a cheesehead Packer fan to be very skeptical of our defense going into any game, any season, any year over the last, you know, decade plus, uh, going back to probably Rogers Super Bowl, which almost looks kind of a fluke now that we had a good defense one year, at least, um, not common for the Packers to have a great defense. All, I mean, all due respect to all those guys and coaches and, and all the effort they put in, uh, but the numbers are where they are. And so it was really nice on, um, on, on the season opener to see the defense come to life the way we've been expecting a few years. Like I, I did see, and I mentioned it on Monday, it kind of reminds me, and it turns out it was 2019 where Rodgers got pretty geeked up after a good defensive performance against the, against the Bears and said, I, I think we got a defense. Um, and they, you know, a game that they won like 20 to 17 or something where the defense held up pretty well. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm reluctant to go that far because on the, on some of the online chatter, there's been talk about how poorly the bears did and, and some of their questionable play calls. Uh, so you don't want to get too hyped up if, if the opponent wasn't maybe the most savvy offensive opponent that you'd ever face all year in, in the Chicago bears. But bottom line is the defense did what they had to do, especially against a really athletic quarterback, limited some of his uh, carries or, or ground, run, yards on the ground. And one thing I, I thought interesting here was uh, an article I came across that talked about Packers defensive front goes heavy with stunts to wreak havoc on Bears O-line. This is Paul Brattle, a guy that does a lot of this analysis, especially in training camp. He'd be at a lot of the practices. And this is uh, coming off of Yahoo Sports, at least, where I got this article. Um, but, but interesting where he talks about leading up to the game where Kenny Clark had said that, you know, you'll see a different plan and, and pretty typical Packer players or any players aren't really going to give you real details or specifics. And he kind of just said in this article, he just ended with a, you'll see on Sunday in a wry smile. And, uh, he goes on to explain here that the difference Clark was alluding to was the usage of stunts along the defensive front. Um, so now just. For the casual football fan, a stunt kind of means where one lineman, defense alignment is going to go to the right and the guy next to him will go to the left and you try to create a little confusion uh, for the offensive lineman. Um, so they go on to say here, uh, this guy, Dair 
Carriger of Packer Report mentioned that Green Bay used 28 stunts against the Bears, the most in the NFL by a wide margin. So again, you're not just blocking the guy straight across from you. Um, as, as the offense kind of backs up into their pass protection, one defender kind of crosses in front of the other defense alignment and they, and they kind of make an X and it's called a stunt. Um, so they, they basically swap who they're going against and the offensive line doesn't always know when that's going to happen. So anyways, for some context, Carragher added that the Packers averaged just seven stunts per game in 2022. So that's 28 stunts against the Bears where last year they averaged just seven stunts per game. So that's, you know, interesting to, to see what they did or, or a different approach to, to offer more confusion to the offense and, and be more active, I guess you'd say, on defense. And I had talked about on Monday where the defense, the defensive line clearly looked more effective. And, you know, as a casual guy just watching the game, didn't think about all the stunts or how many stunts they're doing. Uh, but interesting to see that that might have been a big factor and whether or not they'll continue to employ that type of strategy going forward um, in, in terms of using a number of stunts. So it says here as well in the article, one example came in the fourth quarter when Rashawn, Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and Devontae Wyatt ran stunting actions and pressured fields into an interception uh, to Quay Walker. So on Monday we kind of highlighted my guy Quay, uh, big play Quay uh, getting that pick six that we we're looking for him to do a good job against the Bears and and here you know in the aftermath in the analysis uh, they talk about there being a stunt there so it says here the 28 stunts accounted for 38 percent of the Packers total defensive snaps so I mean really you know almost 40 percent of the time they're they're kind of zigzagging their defense alignment to confuse the offense which why not um, why not? I think that's a, a benefit of having some of these uh, more athletic, faster defense alignment. Um, so, so we'll be interested to see if that keeps up. They're they're coming up here against the Falcons for week two. Um, and another another wrinkle compared to let's say last year's opener where they struggled so much against the Vikings and it spilled over a few more weeks until like mid year they started playing a little better on defense. Um, but here it said also. Um, Overall, the defense played much faster, flying around the field and swarming to the ball carrier. Joe Barry also sent several blitzes, and just as he did during the final few games in 2022, Jair Alexander traveled out of the huddle with the opponent's top receiver, which in this case was DJ Moore. He was pretty well shut down, DJ Moore. Um, so encouraging to see that uh, you know, all the zone and kind of weird soft stuff they did last year. Hopefully that's just a thing of the past. We'll see. You know, again, it's just one game. Um, so the Packers have fooled us a little bit in the past with having a solid defense here and there for a game or two early, and then we see kind of the same old struggles. Um, but still, good good to see a little bit of analysis backing up, you know, maybe why they look better, a little different scheme going on into this thing. And, um, you know, we'll see if they, they take some of that, that scheme variety in the next week's game coming up here Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. So still sticking a little bit with that aftermath concept of uh, week one. I thought it'd be fun to kind of check in on the power rankings. Uh, I thought we could use the USA Today uh, to recap or take a look at. I know I had in an earlier episode done NFL Network had a guy or the NFL.com website and um, you know I, I'll you know change the lanes here a little bit. But I, I know in that review, and that was a preseason one, I want to say like August 22nd, something like that, he had he had the 49ers ranked pretty high, and I thought that was questionable. They were like second or third um, due to the the little bit of question mark. They, they had a quarterback, Brock Purdy, coming off injury. Um, so, you know, want to admit being a little bit wrong there because, of course, Brock Purdy went into Pittsburgh uh, this week and, and won a game and looked pretty solid, I guess. Uh, so with that, switching lanes a little bit to a USA Today power rankings, which I thought it would be good because I, I enjoy a fair amount of their write-ups on the Packers. I think they're the ones that have Packer Wire, uh, where I get the uh, some of the articles and content that I, I learn about what's going on. Um, so anyways, the USA Today power rankings have the 49ers at number one, previously fourth. Um, so interesting, you know, and they, I, I still wonder about Brock Purdy, but boy, they got such a, a good lineup with Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and, uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Kittle, the tight end, 
and a good defense. So um, it says here, like I said, they're up from fourth last week to number one. And, and you know, people expect the Pittsburgh to be solid or at least, you know, decent and a little bit of a question mark with a young quarterback, but they went into Pittsburgh and won one handily. And that's not easy really anytime, no matter who Pittsburgh has. Um, so real quick, a couple other ones that aren't, you know, huge shakeups. Eagles at two. Cowboys jump from 16 to three, according to this one. So USA Today must add them at 16. And that was, again, you know, they had 40 point, 40 nothing shutout of the Giants. So Cowboys, you know, they're, they're, I think they have a little bit of a history of being pretty, pretty good first half team. If if the Cowboys are on a on a year, you know it's usually that they're really good in the first half, and then you know we'll see what they do in November, December. But for now, huge win against the Giants got them at number three here. Chiefs four with a loss at home to Detroit, um, but I think they're getting a little bit of uh, forgiveness for not having Chris Jones, who I think signed now, and Travis Kelsey being out with a knee. So we'll see where they go. But at the same time. You know, the Lions jump up a ton of spots for beating them. So that's where these power rankings get a little wonky is the Lions are now the fifth uh, power ranked team, according to the USA Today guy. Uh, Browns six, which, you know, fair enough. I guess they beat uh, the Bengals. But again, week one, you know, it's not always like it's, like I said, a, lot, a pretty famous line is not always who you play. It's when you play them. Uh, Jaguars six, Bills eighth. So they only drop a few after looking pretty. You know, pretty awful against the Jets with their backup quarterback. Uh, Bengals 9, Dolphins 10, Ravens 11. Uh, not a ton out of whack or surprising there. Saints, a little surprised how high they are at 12. Chargers 13, uh, Steelers 14. And kind of waiting to see where we get to here is the Packers at 15. Uh, so for the sake of our Chiefs head life, uh, the comments on this one say the offense was balanced. The young receivers made plays and the defense rose up to its talent quotient. Not clear why a quarterback would want to leave this situation, but highly effective Jordan Love, three touchdown passes, is understandably psyched for his opportunity. Um, so normally don't need to probably spend a ton of time on the ones below the uh, Packers there at 15. We'll, we'll see that, according to this, they're up three spots from the USA Today poll. Poll. Um, rankings i guess i don't think this is a kind of a poll they were at 18 according to usa today in their previous uh rundown uh the jets dropped from 6 to 16 so kind of noteworthy they're a notch behind the packers of course you know rogers being out is a huge factor even though they won um so interesting the jets the jets drop a ton Bills don't drop very much for losing to those Jets. You know what I mean? Like these are just uh, just fodder for clickbait, I guess. But here I am looking at it and talking about it. I guess they got me hook, line, and sinker. Falcons uh, Packers opponent is the one I kind of wanted to finish with here or at least get to um, is 17. So they stayed level. They beat Carolina, who, you know, they had the number one pick in the draft via trade, but they were still pretty, pretty, pretty low on the totem pole for drafting. Um, meaning they had a pretty bad record last year. Um, but interesting here, it says, uh, Falcons, they're above 500 for the first time in nearly six years. The longest dry spell in the league, but that's not really a shock. The surprise is that they've reclassified Cordero Patterson to the Joker position, wondering what a franchise tag is worth for Joker. So Cordero Patterson... A uh, longtime veteran who I think originally was drafted by the Vikings as a wide receiver, almost like a return specialist. Um, I believe a first round draft pick. And then he went to Atlanta. Um, I'm not sure if he's made other stops, but Atlanta, a little bit noteworthy for giving him more of a running back position in addition to being able to you know throw the ball to him. So there's there's always the reason behind that joker position is, I think, a little bit of debate on what position he plays. And with the NFL and the contracts, that's a big deal because receivers get paid a lot. Running backs don't get paid a lot uh, comparatively. I mean, um, of course, compared to me and my day job, everybody there gets paid a lot. You know what I mean? But um, in terms of in the league and compared to other positions, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a deal. So interesting. I'm not sure exactly the context as to why they're, they're referring to that Cordero Patterson stuff. Uh, but the Packers opponent coming out Packers at 15, according to USA today and Falcons at 17, uh, which I don't know, kind of, um, coincidentally is, um, 
kind of explains a little bit or it helps make sense of what the uh the point spread is so taking a look forward here coming up on sunday packers will have a noon game um at atlanta uh that's uh 12 p.m cheesehead daylight time it'll be on fox and the packers according to this and i'm on yahoo sports for this uh game game summary is one and a half point favorites um, so yeah, I guess according to USA Today power rankings, Packers are 15, Falcons are 17, uh, and that would translate into a little bit of a of, of a favorite for the Green Bay Packers. So interesting there. I mean, I think I like the Packers. You know, it's going to be tough to be full on believers until we get a few more games under our belts. Um, but the reason I, I I think I like the Packers and and even with the one and a half point again that's kind of a you know pick 'em situation is uh, what I had seen on on the internet was some chatter that uh, the Falcons had some trouble with Carolina's pass rush so that was kind of what I was uh, talking about earlier with the the Packers defensive front um, we all we we understand they're loaded with high draft picks up front uh, I'll mention every time because i'm happy to do so that they no longer have dean lowry or tyler lancaster in favor of guys like Devonte wyatt who had a sack and a half against an athletic quarterback in in justin fields uh lucas van s uh first round draft pick sacked fields um and then carl brooks rookie um tj slayton uh all those stunts that they're running so uh bottom line is the the to me the front four the pass rush uh, some of the edge rush depth they have for Green Bay is as good as I've seen, or, or many of us hopefully have seen for several years. And and if and if Atlanta had trouble with Carolina, and and I know Carolina's got a few guys, but to be honest, if you're down at the bottom and near draft and high, uh, not not real familiar with with much star power on on Carolina's defense. Um, and and it sounds like Atlanta had a little bit of trouble blocking those guys up. Um, so hopefully that'll be a big advantage for the Packers. Uh, the active defensive line and pass rush will, will continue. We'll see if they run a bunch more stunts. Um, hopefully our guy Quay Walker's okay. Now we got a couple injuries to look at. Um, uh, I guess Elton Jenkins kind of banged up his knee. It's so hard to predict though. I mean, it's, it's always hard to predict who plays when it comes to some of those injury comments. Um, but, but even more so in the last handful of years, the NFL changed it to where they no longer have to be quite as specific. It used to be like doubtful, questionable, probable, and that would kind of give you a pretty solid indication of whether or not a guy would probably play. Um, but I think they took out it was like a probable designation or something. So now it's like everybody's questionable as I look at the list here. And, and I guess metaphorically that could be true too. But at least for the Packers injury list right now, Elton Jenkins questionable with a knee. Quay Walker questionable with a concussion. Rashawn Gary questionable with a knee. Christian Watson questionable hamstring. Romeo Dobbs questionable hamstring. Aaron Jones questionable hamstring. Um, and then Eric Stokes remains on the PUP uh, with his foot injury. Uh, so that 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 we knew he won't be back for a couple more weeks. Probably not until after the bye week, if I had to guess. Uh, whereas the Falcons, they've got Jeff Okuda, uh, cornerback, questionable foot injury, and Troy Anderson, linebacker, questionable concussion. So only a couple guys there on Atlanta. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Elton Jenkins, they said he was he was at he was doing stuff at practice from what I saw online. So that hopefully means he's not out. Quay Walker has to go through the concussion protocol. Uh, Gary, I think, is still. I mean, it was something crazy where he only played like 20 snaps in pass rush downs because they're trying to just, you know, ease him back in with his knee, but he had like 10 pressures or, you know, it was almost, it was just insane. He might've only played like 10 snaps and had seven pressures, whatever it was. I mean, he was incredibly effective the way they used him. Christian Watson, of course, you know, big question mark. Uh, he hasn't practiced yet to my knowledge. So for now, I think we just have to assume he's still out. And Dobbs, uh, I think he was a little bit limited in practice from what I saw in the online comments. And, but, but, but means, you know, probably similar to last week where he could probably be available, hopefully, assuming no setbacks. And, um, they used him pretty effectively with only a handful of plays. He had a couple touchdowns, big concern for Aaron Jones. Uh, we all saw him with that huge touchdown run, um, late in the game where he pulled up a little bit with his hamstring. Now I saw some of his comments. He said, no, oh, yeah, no big deal. You know, it wasn't a pull. He, he said he's had a pull before. 
Um, but but certainly when it's only week two, you got to expect the Packers are going to be super cautious and conservative with him, which is unfortunate because we saw against the Bears, the offensive production really went down when Aaron Jones wasn't on the field. So that'll be something to watch. I'm not a huge uh, A.J. Dillon fan. been clear about that. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, embraces the area and enjoys Northeast Wisconsin. Love him for that, but... Uh, bottom line is the last couple of years when he's been on the field and given touches, not the most productive guy. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Aaron Jones suits up for one, and then two, if he doesn't, will we will we get to see undrafted free agent Emmanuel Wilson possibly, a guy who might have a little more spark uh, than, than A.J. Dillon, uh, at least early in the game when that quickness. You know, I, I like A.J. Dillon third and fourth quarter when you got a league and league when you got a lead and you want to kind of hammer it home, fine. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of uh, Aaron Jones or someone with more quickness and, and home run capability being taken off the field, you know, for three, four possessions uh, and not touching the ball. So we'll see, see what happens there uh, in the running back spot. That, that's certainly a big question. Now, for the Falcons, not a lot of star power in general. Um, of course, you know, not a not a division opponent, not someone not someone we see a lot. Uh, they're just part of kind of the natural rotation of the NFL schedule. So they're playing in Atlanta. Uh, their quarterback is Desmond Ritter. Uh, he had 115 yards, it looks like, here against Carolina and one touchdown. Now, kind of a weird, you know, small world coincidence. I believe Ritter is from Cincinnati where um, Badger coach Luke Fickle used to coach. So I'm pretty sure those two were together at Cincinnati because Ritter was a, a draft pick a couple years ago. Uh, for the Falcons, and uh, if you watch that quarterback show on Netflix uh, where it was Marcus Mariota, I mean, that was one of the little side stories is that they drafted a quarterback, and, you know, how does that affect the veteran and his opportunity? Uh, so anyways, Marcus Mariota is not in Atlanta anymore, and Desmond Ritter's the starter. Uh, their main running back uh, from last week was Tyler Algier, uh, 15 rushes, 5-yard average, couple touchdowns, and then they have a good young wideout and almost like a – you know, giant wide receiver slash tight end, maybe Kyle Pitts, uh, not known for like blazing speed, but pretty big guy at the wideout position. Uh, he only had a couple of receptions uh, last week, but they got the win. You know, they beat Carolina. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think, you know, a favorable matchup for the Packers from what we saw. Again, I think it was something like Desmond Ritter got sacked maybe, I want to say like four times uh, against Carolina. Um, I know they, they have a, a noteworthy defensive lineman there, Grady Jarrett. And speaking of stunts and whatnot, I do want to mention, I did see a blip too that mentioned uh, Atlanta has a, has a confusing or let's say, I don't know, complex defense. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for as uh, Jordan Love goes into Atlanta and he's facing a lot of these teams for the first time. But I'd also say they're facing him for the first time. Um, but that, that was something that I saw that was mentioned was that um, – Atlanta has has a lot of variety, a lot of complexity in their defense, and whether or not uh, Jordan Love, only in his third career start now, if that's something that you know he'll be able to pick up on quickly or not. Um, but for now, I, I do kind of like the Packers' chances. Of course, those injuries are a little bit of a concern, especially with so many at skill positions when you consider Watson. Hopefully Dobbs is on the recovery. I mean, I have to assume – if Jones even suits up, he'll be pretty limited because they're very cautious with him when he's healthy. So if he's got a little bit of a hamstring, um, you know, unfortunately it looks like maybe that's uh, my guess would be Jones is not going to see the ball a lot on Sunday and they're going to hope to, uh, to make it work uh, without a lot of Aaron Jones. But you know, that could mean guys like Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, uh, Romeo Dobbs, hopefully gets his opportunities like they did in the red zone there. Um, and, and maybe they can hopefully still be pretty effective on offense. So I like the Packers' chances to go to 2-0 uh, on the road at Atlanta. I think, you know, part of my optimism for this Packers season was the way their schedule set up. Yeah, new quarterback, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, again, it's so important, like, who you play, when you play them, and all that. Um, so, you know, starting off at the Bears, who were technically the worst team in the league last year, going by record. Um, and then at Atlanta, who's not necessarily uh, an expected playoff contender. So that's two of your road games early in the season. Teams are still trying to figure things out. I like the Packers' chances of going 2-0. and 
and uh, kind of a nice indicator that they, you know they're one and a half point favorites. So someone out there must be a little bit impressed of uh, what they saw to Jordan Love and that defense. But like I said, I mean that's Sunday for the Packers noon uh, noon game. So uh, without Rodgers, not as many pre uh, primetime games. Uh, but that feels like a lifetime away because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, now nowadays we have Thursday night football. So let's take a peek at that. Um, Thursday night is noteworthy this week. You know, last week we had uh, NFC North team, the Jets, going into Kansas City and getting the win. So kind of kind of relevant and noteworthy for uh, Packer fans and, and my fellow cheeseheads out there to pay attention to that game on Thursday night. Um, so kind of fun again this week. Sometimes those Thursday night games can be kind of questionable who they're playing short week, ugly football. So all the better if it's a relevant team for us uh, at my Cheesehead Life. So we've got Minnesota coming up at Philadelphia, 7.15 p.m. Cheesehead Daylight Time. And that one's going to be on Amazon. So already uh, cutting over, it looks like, to the streaming services for football. Lucky for me, we have that. And... um I'll be able to watch it. Looking forward to it. Um, Minnesota mentioned out in the case of the Mondays that kind of kind of got upset at home, beaten by Tampa Bay. So a big test for them to go into Philadelphia, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Philadelphia, tough place to play, um, and and they're going to have to try to get the win there. If you're interested in any kind of the point spread, um, looks like Philadelphia, according to this, six and a half point favorite, which. I don't know. I would like their chances on that. Um, you know, it seems like the Vikings, though, just when you think they're a slam dunk to get smoked, uh, they'll at least make it a good game. So I'd be reluctant uh, to take Philly. Um, you know, they didn't have a tremendous showing at uh, New England. But again, you know, they won. It's always a little iffy week one as teams try to figure things out. Uh, a few, you know, no really huge injuries as I look at it here uh, on either side. Um, of course, you know, if you ask the team, they might say otherwise, uh, but interesting tomorrow to see the Vikings go into Philadelphia, you know, as a Packer fan, of course, we'll be rooting for the Eagles, at least for now, because you want to see the Packers have a, have a, a good track to winning the division and, um, tough, tough start for Minnesota after losing to Tampa Bay, they'd have to go on the road on a short week at Philly. I'm guessing they were a lot of Minnesota fans would be thinking they'd be one and all going into this game. Um, and now they'll have a, a real tough time to avoid going 0-2 uh, to start the season. Um, so, yeah, that'll be coming up on tomorrow night on Amazon if you've got it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, huge game against Tampa Bay in terms of yards, but turning the ball over, I believe, three times, one, in, one interception, a couple fumbles. Uh, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Eagles, to me is one of the more exciting guys in the league. like watching him play, so I'll be happy to tune in just for that. Uh, of course, you got Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league for the Vikings. Uh, him and Cousins continue to put up tremendous yards, winning or losing. Um, and and uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm fairly certain I, I would take the Eagles to win. Um, but again, just just not totally sold with the with the Vikings offensive firepower with Jefferson there and Hawkinson that, you know, they would they would get uh, beat by more than six and a half, or I guess you'd say a touchdown there. But either way, it uh, looks like a good game. A couple playoff teams from last year. Uh, that'll be fun to watch tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football, if you can. And then will take us into the We talked about Packers, Falcons, of course. Cheeseheads here, we got to talk Packers. And then um, we'll get into, you know, we talk about Thursday Night Football, but let's do our kind of our hump day helmets then, looking around the rest of the league um, noon game, you got Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, interestingly, uh, 0-1, Vegas 1-0, but Buffalo is a 9.5 point favorite on there. Um, Baltimore going to Cincinnati. So another big division game uh, going on there in the AFC North. Cincinnati 3.5 point favorites despite the ugly outing against Cleveland last week. Uh, that's another noon game. Uh, Cincinnati at home, three and a half. So kind of that home field advantage uh, point spread. Um, Detroit is going to be at home after a nice long break after enjoying a victory over the Chiefs. They're playing Seattle. That'll be noon Sunday. Uh, so that'll be probably tricky. I'm sure somewhere there's some stats about West Coast teams flying into the Midwest for a noon game in the time zones. Um, so Detroit being a six-point favorite on that, uh, that might be a, a good one to, to look at Detroit. 
Uh, Seattle coming in 0-1, Detroit 1-0 with, with some extra rest coming off that Chiefs win. Uh, then you got uh, Los Angeles Chargers going to Tennessee, teams that have been often in the playoffs the last few years, uh, both 0-1 right now. Uh, Chargers, three-point favorite there. Tennessee uh, still having some challenges on offense, I think, with Tannehill as their quarterback. Um, not a lot of weaponry there besides their running back, Derrick Henry. Uh, so another noon game, Tennessee kind of kind of getting the pusher. I should say Los Angeles getting the favorite minus uh, their three-point favorites uh, on the road. Uh, so West Coast team going to Tennessee being favorites. That'll be interesting. Um, the Bears. So, you know, our, our friends there in Chicago uh, coming off an a interesting game against the Packers now have to go to Tampa Bay um, to face the Buccaneers, who are 1-0 after beating the Vikings. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Tampa Bay three-point favorite. So another close spread. Um, I don't know. I I'd probably have to roll with Tampa Bay, but the Bears and Justin Fields, I mean, might be able to do enough. But I guess I'd stick with Tampa Bay there. Uh, they they showed enough, I think, going against a tougher team, Minnesota, on the road. So why not take care of the Bears at home? So we could be looking at Minnesota 0-2, Chicago 0-2. Uh, but Detroit um, might have a good chance against Seattle. So maybe we're looking at Detroit and hopefully Packers being 2-0 uh, after the game Sunday. So other games going on at noon, Kansas City is going to Jacksonville. So again, two playoff teams, Jacksonville, kind of the young upstart team. Kansas City had a tough outing against Detroit. I'm not sure if Kelsey's back, but either way, Kansas City is a three-point favorite. Uh, Houston and Indianapolis, um, I don't know what really to think about that game. Not not A couple of 0-1 teams, rookie quarterbacks, so very athletic quarterbacks. Uh, that game's also a nooner, and uh, Indianapolis is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So good luck picking that one. Uh, San Francisco going to Los Angeles. So uh, in- interstate or in-state game, if whatever you call it. Uh, Rams, after a pretty solid outing against Seattle, though, they're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the 49ers. So that'll be interesting. Can the 49ers follow up a big game in uh, Pittsburgh with Brock Purdy? Going to Los Angeles with a team that you know looked better than expected with uh, Matthew Stafford slinging it around in Seattle there, um, but a little bit surprised to see San Francisco be an eight and a half point favorites at Los Angeles. Um, New York, uh, after their brutal outing against the Cowboys the other night, uh, they're going to Arizona. So watch that one if you want. Uh, New York though, five and a half point favorite. I don't know about that. I would probably go with the Cardinals there. Uh, the Jets, J-E-T-S, without Rodgers, Jets, 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 are going to Dallas. So Dallas, the team that just thumped the Giants that we just mentioned. Uh, tough assignment for the Jets to go into Dallas. Dallas is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. So I like Dallas to win. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe nine-and-a-half. Maybe it would be a double-digit win. Uh, so that'll be interesting. That's a 325 game, so maybe that one will be on TV where you're living. Uh, Washington goes to Denver. Uh, I'm sorry, Denver, three-and-a-half-point favorite, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, that's probably one of the tougher places to play there out in Denver. Um, so, it, you know, kind of some meh teams there. Miami going to New England. Tua Tonka-Vailola, probably the best passing game of any quarterback last week, even though uh, Love had more touchdowns. I think Tua had about 400 and some yards passing. So they're going into New England. Miami is only a two and a half point favorite, though, after putting up all those points against the Chargers. Um, but New England, I guess, as long as you got Hoodie and Belichick, they're always going to be considered a tough opponent. Uh, and then uh, New Orleans is a team that's getting more love than I would expect with Derek Carr quarterback, but um, they're one and zero, and they're going into Carolina with the the rookie quarterback there, Bryce Young. Uh, right now, that's showing New Orleans as a three point favorite. Uh, and then the last game uh, mentioned in here on Monday night would be kind of interesting. Cleveland Browns 1-0 after their big win over Cincinnati. They're going into Pittsburgh, and that'll be interesting because Pittsburgh, you know, they're 0-1. Uh, and, and right now Cleveland is a 2.5-point favorite over the Steelers. When, I don't know, I, I if I had a statistician, i got to imagine that's been a long time since Cleveland has been a favorite going into Pittsburgh. Um, so that's kind of your hub day helmets. Uh, look around the league at what's happening Sunday. You know, besides a handful of games that have some larger point spreads, again, you kind of see some some early season, not sure who's going to pull it out 
uh, you know, two and a half point, three point, three and a half point spreads out there. So excited for another uh, round of football coming up here for week two. That's for sure. So that pretty much covers the NFL stuff I want to talk about for now. Uh, we're going to do our, our Badger check-in, our Brewer check-in, and, you know, it's hump day, so, we're, so we're, we're pretty well past Saturday's loss. I think we can kind of get into jump-around mode again for our Badgers. I'm still on the Luke Fickle bandwagon. You know, it's only been a couple games. Granted, it's been a little rocky. Uh, not not maybe as smooth of an operation as we'd like to see, uh, or maybe, you know, pretty high hopes for the air raid offense. Um, but I'm still hanging in there. And uh, not a lot to talk about with this Badger game coming up on Saturday. Uh, looks like they're playing Georgia Southern, pretty much like their last uh, tune-up game, if you want to call it that, the non-conference games that sometimes are, are, are some lesser opponents. Um, so Georgia Southern, uh, they're a Sun Belt team, and the Badgers are, what does it say here, 19.5-point favorites. And this is according to whatever I'm seeing here on ESPN's website. Uh, they'll play at 11 a.m. Uh, maybe it'll be on TV where you live, but um, so that's the Badgers. They're they're playing Georgia Southern, uh, and hopefully, hopefully Tyler Mordecai and company have a nice outing, uh, get kind of work out some of the last kinks because I believe then after this game they'll start their Big Ten action. But uh, for now, that's that's about all we'd have to say about the Badger game. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they have a, a relatively easy time against a team like Georgia Southern. And then we can start uh, buckling down here a little bit for the uh, the Big Ten turn uh, tournament, uh, the Big Ten schedule uh, getting started for the Badgers. So that'll be exciting. Now, uh, uh, kind of the last things last here, we'll talk. Uh, we'll do a check in with our Brewers, and you know those doggone Brewers are hanging in there. That's for sure. Doing better than hanging in there, I should say. Uh, I know they've been. Uh, Catching some fire on a few games. They had that tough outing against the Yankees where they had all that no-hit baseball and lost. Uh, but but overall, uh, they're they're nudging up in their, their gap ahead of the Cubs. Uh, most of our podcasts, they've been around three, three and a half. I'm pleased to report today as of uh, September 13th here on Hump Day. They are now four and a half games ahead of the Cubs. 81-63 on the season. Uh, they've won a couple games in a the row. They're six and four in their last ten. Um, so good job Brewers. Uh, they're doing more than their share of uh, keeping our interest here as the season winds down um, and, and exciting for them. So yeah, they had that loss against the Yankees a couple nights ago uh, where they had all that no-hit baseball. Now they're in a four-game stretch against the Marlins where they've won the first couple and then they lost two to nothing. Uh, looks like they'll have a game tomorrow 1:10 p.m. against the Marlins again. Uh, so good job Brewers. Again, four and a half games up in the NL Central. Uh, doing doing their thing, and, and you know we're running out of schedule here. So hopefully uh, that that gap ahead of the Cubs becomes a little bit too much for them to uh, for the Cubs that is to overcome, and uh, maybe we'll be treated to some playoff baseball uh, while we're also able to watch the uh, Packer game. So uh, again, happy Hump Day to everybody. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks so much. A uh, couple reminders that I've got my website, mycheeseheadlife.com. And on there, there's a blog called Cheese Curds where I'll post a summary of the topics and we'll uh, get a couple of the links in terms of the articles I share out there or talk about out there. Um, you can email me at info at mycheeseheadlife.com. I've got a uh, handle on X, mycheeseheadpod. I'm sorry, at mycheeseheadpod. And uh, that's pretty much going to do it for me here on Hump Day, September 13th. Thanks again for listening. If you can, please uh, like, subscribe, share with your friends, family. Uh, appreciate everybody out there. Looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend in football. I'll try to come back to you maybe on Sunday. Packers have a nooner. We'll talk about the Falcons and the outcome of that game and other happenings around the league and do a recap on how the Badgers did against Georgia Southern. Happy hump day. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Thanks for listening and take care.